Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's, a, it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of the Red Men Weekly Podcast. Yes, it's the show where we bring you the best clip from our Red Men Plus content. Just to let you guys know, straight off the bat, all the shows you're about to hear clips from are available full in video and podcast form over on redmenplus.com. If you guys go over there, sign up as a yearly club captain on the payment screen, use the code WEEKLY, W-E-E-K-L-Y, you can get... 50% off that yearly subscription. It would usually cost you 50 quid. If you use that code, it'll only cost you £25. An absolute bargain, considering how much content you will get for that fee. So, yeah, without further ado, let's crack on with the show. Our first clip comes from the Biased Football Podcast. We've got Dan, we've got Chris, we've got Paul, and the return of Queen Chloe as well to the show. The guys were speaking all about Arsenal, Liverpool's biggest rivals in terms of top four, including Tottenham, Antonio Conte. What's going on down at Spurs? So let's listen in to a clip this week's Biased Football Podcast. Let's come on to it then. Um, Antonio Conte. Uh, I'll read a little quote, um, but I won't, I won't attempt to do the accent, but the accent and his, his anger, it... it it bore all the hallmarks of a classic fan camp uh, yeah. where he, he got increasingly irate the more he spoke. Um, but he said, 22 years, there is the owner, and they never win anything. There was something, but why? The fault is only for the club or for every manager that stay here. You're finding an alibi, another alibi. You try to find an excuse for the players. Okay, continue to do this to find an excuse for the players. You do only this. You only you do only this. Excuses for the players. But the players may be my future. Then we lost confidence. They lost spirit. They lost being a team. Excuses, excuses, excuses. Try to protect them every time. So he it's a 10-minute post-match press conference. He was asked after his initial conversation, initial almost borderline unprompted chat about it about his future because i've heard this a lot when speaking to flav about this if he's not got a his contract's up at the end of the season yeah. isn't it he he this they're saying he him having doubt over his future is having an impact on spares because you know he's not committing his long-term future so why would anyone commit the long-term future is that destabilizing it so he was basically asked well what about your future and he's like okay yeah my future but does that you're you're blaming me for the lack of fire? And he talked about fire in their eyes and in fire the in their bellies yeah. and their hearts and all that kind of stuff. Um, it's quite, it's huge, Chris. Like you know I mean, for someone to come out so publicly and use basically that entire ten minutes to slaughter 
the players and basically say none of them are up for the none of them are up for the fight and it's this football club because they've not won anything for 20 years and we and everyone makes excuses for the players they don't like pressure they don't like pressure at this football club it was we well, were sort of saying that they're at the right place because they never get into any pressure situations because yeah. they're out of it too late and or too early and stuff, aren't they? I can understand what he's saying. The problem is I, I don't think he's the person to say it for Tottenham because he's not one of those guys who stays in it for the long goal and tries no. to turn things around. He's a three-year manager cycle man and, that, and then he moves on to something else that might be a bit easier where he can maybe win a trophy and, and, and he'll continue to do that. So... I agree with everything that he said. I think what he said about Tottenham is actually quite eye-opening and it's nice to see a manager being honest about what he what he thinks is the problems at the football club because what he's saying is, look, there's loads of boss managers who've come and worked here, mm-hmm. but we've all faced the same challenges and the ownership are essentially covering up for the players and everything else. So it's not just the manager time and time again. It's it's a bigger problem maybe with the owners and it's, it's filtering down to the players and stuff, but he's the wrong man to say it. Is he? Is I anyone think else? So. Anyone else? Well, Someone he's not committed to this future. Someone had to say it, didn't they? And it, it tried Mourinho. It always felt like a marriage made in hell to me. Conte going there because, like you say, he's a short-term man who likes to spend a lot of money and he win trophies and on he goes. And Mourinho was very similar in that sense. And I don't know. I think I feel like we've all been thinking it and kind of saying it amongst ourselves and yeah. on social media for a long time about Spurs and being that club that just never quite happens for them. And when the pressure does come on, they crumble. Someone had to say it. I don't see why it wasn't Conte. I think he was fine to say it, yeah. And I think it's always his profession to see a manager being so open. It really was. It is he wants to get the sack. He wants his payoff before the end of his contract. I don't think any doubt about that. But yeah, I didn't mind it at all. I quite enjoyed it. I loved it, to be honest, because it's brutally honest and the players get away with far too much. I mean... Uh, to to use Liverpool, I mean, Alison Becker, once again, coming out and talking about the attitude of people when you're three quarters into a season. I like that that managers came out and basically turned around. The, the, the problem is is that he's basically put absolutely no blame on himself. Yeah. Some though, sort yeah, of blame thing, has yeah. got to be on you. Like yeah. the, the Alison manager, could do that, by the course. way, because he has been brilliant. Yeah, you know what I mean? exactly. Yeah. Um, but I, I like how he's done it because it, it is true. You were 3-1 up against Southampton. With 15 to go, Southampton are in a relegation zone. Bet odds on to go down. You're in a tough four race, and they just collapsed, and they collapsed quickly. And his tactics, he can say, got them to a 3-1 lead, and there you need to deal with your, your, your focus, your concentration. Yeah. Um, And we, we've all said it with that group of players, with that club. The problem is, is that he mentions the history of the club and he is their manager. So it looks horrific from everyone else inside the club. But from an outside perspective, it is boss to see him just be brutally honest. It feels so like should... a Hail Mary from him, though. Of like, well, I'm either going to... He's not going to stay in the job and he's got nothing to lose by saying it as well. And someone does need to actually call out sometimes. You know, if they, if they want... Because he's saying... You kind of want to be a club that competes at the top. You say the words, yeah, you but are. you're not living it, and it's actually not a, the worst thing that can happen. Is some like some home truths, mm-hmm. but the platform for it. I see. I'd rather him say it than a player say it. Like if a player come out and yeah. said that, like that would be, I'd be really annoyed. And like I don't like Liverpool players coming out and saying the attitude's wrong because I'm like you're one of the fucking players. You know what I mean? It's it's all right when Allison's doing it when you're right. No one can mm-hmm. question his attitude. The manager does it is a. Yeah, there's not really another person you can come out because it'd be Kane, wouldn't it? I think Kane should be, should it'd have been be the person to do it. To be honest, but with Kane's you. a fucking loser. That's yeah, the but thing. well, he, but he, exactly that's the whole point. And yeah. it, it's he's part. He's unfortunately part of the problem yeah. for them. But like, 
he's he's got enough stock in Tottenham Hotspur and he's tried hard enough for long enough that I think it makes a difference. I don't think Antonio Conte firing shots as he's leaving through the door is mm. going to make a blind bit of difference if that is what he wanted. Mm. If he wanted Spurs to be a football club that goes and challenges and stops doing that, him doing it ain't going to change anything. Harry Kane doing it might. The other, sorry, the other thing is, is that Conte knows that that's not going to affect his future. People will want him... Or whether or not he's exploded like that because he's, he's of, protecting himself. Exactly, a bit. he's got he but he's got the calibre, he's got the trophies, he's got his portfolio to say, this is what I can bring to you. Yeah, yeah at Spurs, I, I was brought into a team that was crap. To be fair, you went and spent fifty million on Richarlison. That's your fault. Um, <laughs> like you can't blame anyone else for that. To be honest, but, you're looking goals. for that fire in the eyes, and you went and bought. Richarlison from Everton. Tears in his eyes. Yeah, um, <laughs> but like he's done it to. I I reckon he should. I, I reckon because he's such a serial winner, he's come into his mentality is different, and he's just he's he's <coughs> overdone it. He's, yeah. His blood is boiled. He's yeah. had enough. He wants to get well, out. He said, "I'm not used to this. I'm not I'm like sixth, seventh, eighth in the league. Yeah. This is not a situation I, I'm used to." And it does boil down to, and again, and why I think he. He's not over it when he nails the ownership, but apparently he's had to. He, he has been told to like he had to go and clarify what he meant to them mm-hmm. and what have you. It's a bit. It feels a bit familiar because when Conte came in, I had a lot of Spurs fans saying, "Well, they'll have to back him because Conte, yeah. and he won't have agreed to join that unless he's been told he's getting the financial backing." Mm-hmm. And and the question is, if he feels that he hasn't. Have they told him that he's going to get it, and they've reneged on that? So he's a bit more, he's a bit fucking pissed off, and he's not the kind of guy who's just going to go. Well, well, like he's not a pragmatist like Jurgen Klopp. He'll just go, it's fine. I'll just work with what I work with. I like yeah. it. I'll, I'll, I'll do this. He will spit his dummy out and let the world know that he was, you know, that it's other people's issues. But it does go back. To, it's like, what, did, what did he expect? Yeah. Did he expect Tottenham to all of a sudden be a club that that spends ridiculous money and has and spends massive wages and all that kind of stuff because? That's a bit mad to think that you, all of a sudden they're going to change to be that. And that again goes back to the point. Tottenham are, Tottenham are just a club who will forever finish between, if they're on a good season, they might finish third, if they get a good couple of years behind them. But by and large, they're a third to eighth team in the Premier League. They've got the stadium, they've got some good players, but they haven't got... If they weren't in London, they wouldn't be a thing. Yeah. yeah. They they want a certain brand and type of football as well, don't they? Spurs fans they like playing attractive. It stems back to when they had Gascoigne and people our yeah. dealers before that. They want a certain type, and they haven't got that now with Mourinho. They had it with Poch, obviously. They, haven't they just got want to finish above Arsenal. That's, That's all. Yeah, That's yeah, all yeah, Spurs yeah. want is to yeah. finish above Arsenal. But with, with, mad. with Conte, you're right. He's either been promised stuff that hasn't happened. He's, they've gone back on that, or he didn't do his due diligence on Spurs, which it doesn't seem feasible to me because yeah. he's clearly an intelligent man. He's been around the game for a long time. Chloe's right on the point of him being a serial winner who's got this back catalogue of success, he's going to get another job. What he said harms him, none. Doesn't matter at all. A team will give him another gig, just like they have done with Mourinho. If that was a young manager, if it was Potter, for instance, at Chelsea coming out and saying all that stuff, clubs would look at him differently and go, how can you say that? Conte, doesn't matter at all. Mm. Yeah, it's clever in, in his regard. Because if he wants to stay, it feels like that was his last card he had to play. Yeah. You know I mean, he's not, he he's not, he's not well. going to sit there and accept... It just being more of more of what that is. He, he clearly protected his brand a little bit by saying it's not entirely all, all all on him, which is a smart thing to do. 
But I, yeah, if you're talking to wannabe something else, some, eventually someone had to say it and not in a snide way because everyone who talks about it is all people from outside. It's all mm-hmm. Spursy this and Spursy that's Chelsea related and, and Arsenal related and everyone have, everyone have a good old laugh at Tottenham Hotspur. But uh, funny, again, it goes back to I, I know I've known him for, for so many years. He, a diehard Tottenham fan, you know, absolutely loves the club to bits, but he hates them being, he hates them being good because it comes with a pressure. When you're just average, you enjoy the wins more because there's, you know, you because it comes out of nowhere, you're more surprised and you get more joy out of it. There's loads of pressure, and they again as a fan base, they're not built for it. They don't have the culture for it. They haven't got the history for it. So they need to change. But it's a, it, there's probably a real problem there where it's like. It's like how you can criticise your brother or sister, but no one else can. And him coming out and slagging the football club, it'd be interesting to see how their fans treat that. Because what he said is absolutely right, and it needed to be said, mm. and it might actually give them the kick up the arse, top but, to bottom. Yeah. But they, what they'll probably do is go, is be so put off by what they've heard that yeah. they'll fuck him off. And I they'll just go back so. to being what I, they've I always been. I thought that would have happened by now, though. I thought as soon as weeks. those comments would have came out, it'd be in get them out as, as, as soon as possible. The the thing that yeah, but they cost themselves a league cup by putting fucking what's his face in, um, Ryan, not Harry Winks, Ryan Mason, Ryan Mason, Ryan Mason in, instead of you know Josie Mourinho. The, the only yeah. other possible thing I could I could think it in it way in a way it might help them is that you've just said that Patrick Vieira that loads of people in that dressing room said he doesn't motivate us well Conte has probably tried pretty much everything and now he's he's said right I'm calling you all out and you've all got to then prove it because no matter what when he leaves you've still got to prove that Antonio Conte who's one of the prestigious managers in football has just called every single one of you out You even when he leaves you've still got to prove that that's not your mentality because watch when you exit the League Cup next season and end up with zero trophies that quote's going to be plastered everywhere again for you to see yeah. so maybe it might be a case of if he does somehow stay he's worded it and he's used it and he's saying use that as motivation go and prove yourselves and he'll probably turn around in 10 years time if, if they've won one league trophy and say yeah that was because of me that was because yeah. I turned around yeah. and said the timing that. of it's brilliant in that regard if that's if that's right as well because he's not going to see them so he needed to get something else that, that mm. hit each of them wherever they were then, and there's no way that any, I mean the players WhatsApp's going off big time yeah. you've seen what this tit has said about <laughs> us like, you know what I mean he's been off sick for fucking six weeks he comes back comes and says back. this you yeah. fucking knobhead. Yeah. I mean, it's a little bit like that thing of like you, you step away from work and you get to, he's, he's, he's watched it from the outside and gone, God, all this, all this, like watching the map from the stands. I go, what the fuck are they doing? I've not seen it from this perspective before. He goes, he's had like a real life shit like, out. He's gone, oh God, it, it looked a lot better from ground level. This, I've just stepped back. Jesus, fuck was yeah. it, was it the beginning of this season or was it last season where? He kind of went off the rails and he was asked about his future and he was like, to be he's honest, I don't know whether I'll be here next week. Yeah, yeah. He like said something where he was like, I don't think I want to do this anymore. Was that the back end of last season? I was don't that know all it was? I think it was last year he played Burnley and he came out and said something very yeah, similar. Yeah, and it, it, was like, it was like, it, it sounds like... It was just... windy where he was, he was on the corner of the pitch yeah, or something, losing yeah. his shit, And he, he, yeah. he said in the press that he was like, I just don't know whether I want to do this anymore. He's always like, been a bit hostile though yeah, like that. he's an aggressive little man isn't yeah. he um, he's glorious right sound I, I loved it though by the way that I, I, yeah. I loved it yeah. it's brilliant for the whole thing just that because that's what you, you you want that's the point and Liverpool are going through a little bit of that as well aren't they you know and it does make you wonder about like the World Cup I don't know he's talking about the, the, cult, the entire culture of Tottenham Hotspur and, and for decades but 
I wonder how many football clubs are going through similar things of there's no feels like there's no fire in the players, there's no consistency, they're not all performing to the to the level because a lot of what he was saying, I could I could hear, I could I could happily hear someone say that about Liverpool's players mm-hmm. yeah. this season as well. And yeah, it, you know, is this not like part of a bigger problem though? Like in terms of if everybody who's playing football in the Premier League knows that one of the teams in the Premier League are financially doping and you can't win, how does that affect your motivation yeah, about playing each and every single week knowing you've got no chance to win the league? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting point. Like, Yeah, because there must be, look at the Tottenham going, we've got Harry Kane and we've got Son and we've got these other players, we've got some other good footballers in there and we've got a, a Premier League winning manager. We've got a multiple trophy winning manager with a great pedigree in there and it's not right. What else are we what else are we going to do? And you're right. If Liverpool, and again, if it, sometimes we go, well, if Liverpool aren't can't do it, we've got they've got much bigger resources, bigger fan base, deeper pool. They've got a great, great. They have a bigger budget and all that kind of stuff. Tottenham must be looking at it going. Well, it's impossible. Thanks to Paul and the team for that one. Light. Let's move on. It is expert insight time with Dan Club. Dan got straight on the phone to Luke. Ends whistle of Get French Football News. They reported that AS Monaco Sporting Director Paul Mitchell has had a conversation with Liverpool about potentially replacing Julian Ward, who leaves the club this summer. Paul Mitchell has already told Monaco he is resigning. So, yeah, GFFM put put the story together, had an exclusive saying that there's been a conversation with Mitchell and with Liverpool. So, yeah. Dan quizzed Luke on that exact story. Here we go. For where Liverpool are now in our current plight, there's many people who would say that we need ready-to-go, plug-and-play type footballers who are just going to come in and do a job immediately. From what you're saying, and Paul Mitchell's track record indeed, suggests that he's perfect for the original FSG Moneyball model, who's going to go and find it. Mohamed Kamara is a good example. Going to go and find these players who you can pick up relatively cheap and then they're going to go on to bigger and better things. Do you think he has both strings to his bow? Or from what you've seen and what he's done, is he very, he's excellent at that type of role, if you like? I mean, yeah, he's um, he's probably adaptable. But at the same time, the roles that he has been picked for are roles where you're looking for the cheap buys. I mean, when yeah. you think of Tottenham under Pochettino, it was finding those players that, other teams weren't necessarily looking at exactly. and then they'd come there and they'd shine uh, same at Red Bull the, the, you know, a lot of the Red Bull system is predicated on finding these, mm-hmm. unearthing these talents and developing them and selling them on and then it's the same at Monaco so I'd say that in terms of having a huge budget at his disposal um, and bringing in the ready-made players, he's not necessarily ever had that role I mean there's been the odd player who's come through at Monaco who, who Monaco have bought I should say especially this summer who you would say right this is a player that is bought for the here and now and he should hit the ground running Minamino is one that didn't but one that did was Breland Bolo from Borussia Gladback. you know he's been around the, the German division for quite a while and mm-hmm. It wasn't the most expensive sign. I think it was only between about 12 and 15 million euros, but he has kind of hit the ground running. But you can only work with what you have at your disposal and what Mitchell has had kind of, uh, well, he wasn't the sporting director at uh, at Tottenham. He was kind of working in scouting. But, you know, from uh, the evidence that we've seen, especially at Monaco, which is his largest job really, um, I think you can say that he's a specialist in unearthing talents and also uh, for creating an environment and a coherent project to allow those 
those kind of prospects to develop and become the players that they should be. So that is clearly his specialty, as mm-hmm. he's shown. Um, but there's certainly no failure to speak of of having you know a bigger budget or bringing in ready-made players and, and it not working out. So it, it's something that potentially could do, but it, it depends on, once again, the conversations and the exact contours of the, the conversations he's had with Liverpool. What's their thinking? Do they want to lean on their academy more? Do they not? Um, yeah, it, it depends on, on the conversations they've had and, and I suppose that will determine whether or not he gets the role to an extent uh, and, and you know, does his profile necessarily suit uh, and is that the path that Liverpool Football Club want to go down? Because as you say, uh, there is kind of this hankering for immediate success again because obviously the, the downfall has been quite steep, <laughs> I'd say, this, this season, oh, yeah. maybe not quite expected. So there's that kind of feeling of, okay, we need to rebound and we need to you know, bounce back really quickly. Uh, is that the same feeling in FSG? You know, who knows? No, you're right. It's an interesting one because in many senses, who we target and who we end up going for in this role will almost lend itself to the budget, potentially, and the, the type of players we might be buying. Maybe not at the same time, but you're right on Mitchell. Like, he's never, it's like a manager where you've never had a huge budget to go and spend money. It's like Sean Dyche forevermore was kind of labelled as a certain type of manager, wasn't he? I, I know you're from Bolton, so I don't want to talk about Sean Dyche. But um, <laughs> he was labelled a certain type of manager, but he just used what he had at his disposal, didn't he? It's the same in a sporting director sense as well. If you're given a certain task to go and get a certain type of players with a certain budget, you go and do it. And you're right, he's done it. He's done it extremely well, I think it's fair to say. But who knows if his next role, whether it be Liverpool or somewhere else, he has a huge budget and he's tasked with going to find the very best, the cream of the crop. He might also be brilliant at that. Um, let's just see. But like I say, from a Liverpool perspective, if we do end up sort of plumping for Mitchell and going and getting him, it'll make me and many others potentially think, oh, well, that means we're going back to the old unearthing talent, looking at people who aren't necessarily the most popular players. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that would be a fair interpretation, uh, certainly, because that, that's what he's always done. It just depends what, I, I think, which sporting director they they choose really dictates their their short-term, obviously, but their medium and long-term, because it, it feels as though if you go for someone like Mitchell, who knows, maybe they'll say, okay, we know you specialise in this, but can you give this a go? <laughs> you know, can you, can you pull this off? But it, it, it would feel as though if they went for, for Paul Mitchell that they would be taking a more long-termist view of uh, getting back to the top rather than just, okay, let's just bring in loads of players for, for a decent amount of money this this summer. Okay, maybe it's points some market inefficiencies here and there, but overall these are players that are going to be on the radar and bounce back straight away. Or whether you're going to, I mean, of course, there's, there's the budget hitch who's, who's come through at, mm-hmm. uh, at Liverpool recently and whether or not they kind of look at his example and think, okay, let's, you know, let's go more down this, down this road. I mean, that, that could also be a possibility, but I think if Mitchell mm-hmm. came in, it would be suggestive that that is the road that they're maybe taken. Yeah. It's a, I think that's a fair assessment to make. Like I say, it's the, it's the one I would almost immediately jump to that assumption with, um, but like I say, there's no reason why you can't do both necessarily at the same time. And who knows, who knows how it will look. Um, just a couple more before we before I let you go. Um, as a person, Luke, sort of front-facing interview-wise, I'm not asking you for his personality, um, how has he conducted himself since he's been at Monaco? Because obviously he has done interviews, he's done stuff with the press. Our sporting directors, Michael Edwards and Julian Ward, have kind of been sort of absent in that sense. It's like they haven't done many interviews, but I think Mitchell's done a little bit more. And you touched on his appointment of a manager as well. How has his relationship been with managers since he's been there? 
Yeah, so I mean, on on the kind of the media front, social media, he does it. I mean, I've spoken to him a few times. He's okay. quite happy to give me an interview. I'll ask you about his personality then. <laughs> <in that case. laughs> when uh, when when he wants me to, but yeah, I mean, I did a piece in the Guardian uh, where I, I spoke to Paul Mitchell about the kind of the return of the historic strategy and all these players kind of coming through. Uh, he's very present when it comes to new signings, obviously new managers. He will speak to the media, you know, if you, if you he, he's not uh, afraid to to kind of front up and, and speak about things like the transfer window. He did it a lot at the end of last season, for example. Um, he's maybe not there, you know, day to day facing up in front of the camera like some other French sporting directors are. But I think in terms of the culture in England, I'd say he's, he's what you'd expect he, he speaks quite a lot mm-hmm. uh and it, he did come into the mix zone once after a match where the referee was let's say questionable and he did front up to the media there and, and kind of uh have a bit of a yeah a very heavy kind of criticism of the referee and body let's say and, and the decisions that, that were made and the lack of communication as well so he, he will speak to the media um pretty frequently and uh, in terms of his relationship with the managers so it's Nico Kovac first of all he was already in place uh, when he arrived mm-hmm. and I think it got to a point where they no longer saw eye to eye but that's not just Paul Mitchell and Nico Kovac that's also other people at the club including James Bunce who's the performance director Lawrence Stewart at the time as a technical director because Monaco wanted to go down a path of really optimizing the training sessions and wanting to be a lot more minute and more intelligent with how they use the training sessions to build up fitness. Uh, so that came to a sticking point because of that, because of other things as well, the results weren't there either. But mm-hmm. since Philippe Clement's come in, it seems like their relationship is very, very good. Even when there was a bit of a, it, it was quite, you know, they did reach a crisis point in March, 2022. Um, they were really not performing and everybody's role at the club was being questioned by, by the media, but no, there's no sign of a crack. And in, in the meantime, you know, their relationship seems to have strengthened and everyone around the club who you speak to speaks very highly of Philippe and equally Philippe Clermont, the manager, speaks highly of of Paul Mitchell and, you know, says, you know, even though we don't, you know, you won't necessarily agree on absolutely everything, especially in recruitment, but there's a lot of mutual respect there and and that's very, very important. So, yeah, good good kind of relationship with the manager mm-hmm. and when it comes to media, I'd, I'd say... Um, he's he's quite open and yeah, he's, he's, he's kind of in the public eye as well. Yeah, I look forward to talking to him then in that case. Um, <laughs> yeah, the other manager front, it's absolutely pivotal, obviously. We know how much credit in the bank Jurgen Klopp already has. He's clearly going to be front and centre of any decisions when it comes to a new sporting director because mm. he's going to work so closely with him. And he's been at pains to stress over his time at Liverpool how important Michael Edwards has been and Julian Ward has been and many others. Uh, for that matter as well. But they've been pivotal to the success at Liverpool, those two people. Um, and they've been lauded as such, particularly Michael Edwards, obviously Julian mm, Ward's been a lot, a lot shorter in terms of time. Um, just finally, before I let you go, from what you've seen and you know witnessed from Paul Mitchell during his time at Monaco, I won't ask you if he's the right fit for Liverpool because we've already discussed we don't quite know how that looks yet and it's hard to sort of imagine. But do you think... In terms of his credentials and where he's at in his career, do you think a move to Liverpool makes a lot of sense for him? Yeah, hundred percent. I feel as though he's he's ready for this move. I mean, as, as I say, the echoes that are coming out uh, suggest that he feels ready as well. I mean, his past experience going through the ranks, MK Dons, through to Southampton, Tottenham scouts, and then going into the Red Bull system, and then being the sporting director of one of the biggest and most kind of one of the clubs with the highest expectations in France, but also in Europe. He's been sporting director there for two years. 
and the mission statement, it feels as though he he is living up to that. Um, so I, I think he feels ready. I think he is ready for a step to England. I think he feels ready as well. So I, I think that now is is probably the time he senses that as well. Uh, and and hence why it seems like he, he will be on the way out in the coming months. But he's, he's amassed quite a lot of experience in actually not that long a period of time. Mm-hmm. And... Therefore, he just seems like it's the completely right time. He's he's a local-ish lad. He's more from from Manchester, of course. But um, I, th- I think that a move to a, a big Premier League side, it, it feels like the right time for him to make that step in his career. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, Luke. Right then, moving on. It's JNO Insight Time. I was back yet again with Neil Jones from Goal. And obviously, we spoke about Jude Bellingham and the foray that has happened since David Ornstein's report on Monday. So, yeah, don't have to overleg this one. Here's me, here's Neil, and here's a chat that'll hopefully calm a few nerves. David Ornstein's probably the, the number one British journalist in terms of transfer reporting isn't he you know very very much you, know, you don't have to look far to find some of the stories I mean he, he was the first one I think who ever reported that Ibrahim Akanate was coming to Liverpool just as a, a Liverpool based example he was the FSG um, looking to sell uh, Scoop so of course when he when he posts and it's going to cause cause ripples and I'm sure listen I, I, I don't know him, but I, I'm sure there's no there's no flyer taken as they call it in, in, the, in the industry sorry for using jargon but I don't think he's taking a flyer on it but I don't also think it's sort of even the way it was packaged I don't think it was sort of a cut and dried sort of you know final sort of answer if you want to call it that you know even even the fact that it wasn't sort of there wasn't huge responses to it from from the athletic in terms of following up right okay Liverpool you know what are they going to do instead it was it was more of a sort of another wave of the story and we've, we've said it many many times on this show it does feel like it would be nice if there was just a sort of a, a tacit agreement for people to just shut up about him for a bit because every week it's oh Manchester United are now in the race Chelsea haven't given up Manchester City are leading the race Real Madrid are leading the race Liverpool have, are, are on the verge you know Liverpool has preferred destiny Manchester City now have, have sort of taken pole position I think 
I think there's no no, no decisions been made from from Jude Bellingham. There's no no way that he's picked his destination. We'd know by now if he if he'd done that. Um, either way, I don't sort of. And I saw some of the reaction to it. I, I try to stay away from social media as much as I can, full stop. But I saw some of the reaction that was sort of a bit like, well, surely it's not a new development to Liverpool to find out he's going to cost quite a lot of money and there's a few other clubs who are interested. So I don't necessarily see that. If that if that becomes a reason, I think it's an excuse rather than a reason because it's, you know, yeah, of course, yeah, I could have told you that, you know, I could have paid, you could have paid me a £1,000 consultancy fee and I'd have told you that. Nice and easy. Um, I think it comes down more to what where Liverpool finished the season. I think is 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 a significant factor. I think the Champions League is pretty important. You know, I'm not saying it's a deal breaker, but I think it's a pretty important one. It would be a huge leap of faith from Jude Bellingham to 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 drop out of the Champions League, potentially being a Bundesliga winner, played in the Champions League, starred in the Champions League for Dortmund this season, starred in the World Cup, become an England sort of mainstay. To to then say, I'm willing to. I'm willing to have a season in the Conference League or the Europa League. I think would be a huge leap of faith from a player so good and so coveted. But also, it all it comes down to what he wants. I think I think that's the bottom line. I think it comes down to what he wants. I don't think it's going to be a sort of a highest bidder, wages, um, agent fee, whatever, whatever. I think it's going to be what's the what's the the move he fancies. Um, and look, look, we all want him to pick Liverpool. I'm sure, but. There's a lot of good, attractive offers for him, isn't there? You know, you could take take your loyalty and your, your sort of your, your your bias out of it. You couldn't argue if he turned around and said, "You know what? I want to be Manchester United's main man for for the next ten years." Like, then what what a, what a what a stage that is for me to perform. And if he went, I want to be a Galactico. I want to be part of Real Madrid's next generation, Luka Modric's successor and replacement. If I I just want to go and Hoover up trophies with Manchester City, I you know if he if he said any of those things. I don't think you could sort of hold it against them, you know. So that that's what Liverpool are up against. It's going to be tough. I've said many, many times, convincing pitch plus need is required. Um, but as I understand it, I don't think there's sort of there's been a an acceptance on Liverpool's part that there's no chance. I think there's still very much a, a live um, opportunity and one that they're going to have to work very hard if they want to bring to fruition. Yeah, I suppose like the. So what, what I didn't get right in this again we've we spoke with this but in the absence of news sometimes things can be filled it's like we always know if it came down purely to who can give the biggest transfer fee then Liverpool wouldn't win that battle but because uh, yes City and, and, and Real Madrid other team Paris Saint-Germain would be in that ahead of Liverpool Man United probably would be as well given where we are now but the the the, the flip side of that is of course we've seen with other players before player power is a thing if, if, yeah. I imagine if, if he dug his like, listen to Dortmund, listen, I'm leaving, I'm not signing a new contract, I don't want to go to Liverpool. We saw yeah, Virgil van Dijk do exactly this. I was going to say, he's a good, that's a good parallel, isn't it? A, a different era, a little bit, you know, yeah. Liverpool were... Better. <laughs> better. In the Champions Yeah, I think <laughs> Liverpool were, were, were definitely on that, that yeah. curve at yeah. that point, weren't they? But it was a, a player that Liverpool wanted to solve an obvious problem in their squad. It was a player that I still think a lot of people might sort of retrospectively deny it. But I think a lot of people thought that's a lot of money for Virgil van Dijk from a Southampton player. Obviously, Dortmund are a level above that or a couple of levels above that where they're at. But it was one of them that was like, you know, I actually think there was probably a few Liverpool fans who, if Liverpool had come out and said, we're not paying 75 million for Virgil van Dijk, we're going to buy Imerit Laporte for 50. I think a lot of Liverpool fans would say, yeah, fair enough. You know, that's, yeah, yeah. I think that's not a bad shout, you know. But 
Liverpool didn't. They 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 said no. We want to, and and all the work around that deal to start with was around convincing the player to come to Liverpool. It wasn't about. I mean, they they got it wrong, didn't they? As in they they got out. They they enjoyed that part before they'd done the other part, which was convincing Southampton, you know, to sell for whatever price. So, I think they won't make that mistake again for the start. And I think that they'll be right. You know, when we've said obviously Liverpool haven't dampened expectations throughout this saga they also haven't really you know no one's saying from Liverpool oh he, he, he's really leaning towards Liverpool or he really fancies coming to us you know we're, we're leading the race we're in, we're, we've we've won the sort of battle here you know there's no sort of jinxing of it if you like in, in that sense but that's that's the main part of the battle, really, in this instance, I think the fee, the fee is the fee. You know, you're gonna you're gonna find it's gonna be. No, I don't think anyone's gone in thinking we might be able to get him for 75, 80 million. I think it was pretty clear even before the World Cup that that was unrealistic. After it, and once Enzo Fernandez went to Chelsea for for the price that he went to in in January, I think everyone sort of accepted. Well, you're looking at 110, 115 plus. Um, so that's that. I don't. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know where he's going to end up. Is the bottom line, isn't it? You know, I've had, you've had times in the saga <laughs> where you've looked and thought Liverpool have got a decent chance, or you know, the, the noise seems to be heading, heading Liverpool's way. But you've had Real Madrid have had Adam on the front of, of, of their basically their, you know, very um, close tied newspaper. Manchester City are obviously there was an ESPN story recently, wasn't it? That they're sort of they believe they've got a good chance of, of getting them. There was a, a story in the Telegraph recently about the Man- about Manchester United. So. The, there's a lot of twists and turns to come, but obviously, yeah, in an international week, when when a story like this drops, I think the reaction and the the sort of response to it is amplified even more. Um, not a bad position for him to be in, is it? I wouldn't mind having those people queuing up at my door to sort of to, to give me, you know, all their love, all their money, all their um, kudos for the next sort of few years. But I think we all. We'd all like to think that he'll end up at Liverpool, but I think it, it is going to be a difficult one. Obviously, it's going to be, it's going to be one that's someone's going to get the heart broken. Obviously, the, the, one of the worries I have as well a little bit is if he didn't. And who's next? Liverpool. And if you feel bad for the next. Yeah, fellow, well, a little bit. It's almost like you know, I, I, can you imagine if Liverpool had sort of had given up on Van Dijk and and you know I use Laporte, but I think Jerome Boateng was another player that Liverpool were linked with at that point or were interested in, and you sort of think if he turns up and didn't sort of immediately just. Smash it out the park. It'd be like it's Mario Balotelli when you yeah, want to Alexis yeah, Sanchez. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or Ricky Lambert. You know, yeah. like you know, sort of fighting a losing battle from the word go. But you'd you'd hope that wouldn't be the case. You know that you know whoever it would be, if it was Mason Mount or Mateus Nunes or whoever, like that they sort of come with a little bit of a resentment almost of mm, you. You know, you should you're not Jude. But you know that's what Liverpool have got to deal with. That's they've painted themselves into a bit of a difficult corner because they've put themselves. You know, from there to there, haven't you? In in the space of sort of eight nine months, um, but you know they've got to get it right this summer. And and also they've shown in the past they have shown that when you don't, you know, they don't always get the fit the one that they want. Mario Goethe, you know, there was left backs that they wanted before they got Andy Robertson. So it, it can it can turn out nice in the end, of of course. But yeah, I think this would be a, a tough one for for any all the teams that miss out on him. But I think especially Liverpool because obviously I think he'd be such a an instant game changer for Liverpool, you know, in terms of he he he's not just a a massive upgrade, he's a, he's a, a problem solver as well, isn't he? And, and potentially a figurehead of the team going forward. So I think it would probably hurt them even more than anyone else if they were to miss out. But 
at the same time the, the flip side of that is it you know the joy that you might get if you can get it done I suppose the, the, there's ways you can miss out as well and I think this was what the most the, 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 the response was was like listen if he just says I'm going to Real Madrid because I want to play for Real Madrid or City or United but Liverpool were yeah. a bit like Shumania like it sounds you, you, yeah, you begrudgingly yeah. accept you go yeah. fair enough if you just haven't put all the groundwork in to go oh you know what it's got a little bit it's got a bit rich yeah, for yeah. my blood that's where, that's where I think quite rightly that a lot of people be asking us serious questions about everybody going Hang on a minute, we didn't we didn't do this deal, that deal, that deal because we wanted this lab, obviously. And now it's come to crunch time where you've got to put your put your wallet on the table basically and you yeah. pull out. I think that that would be the frustration if that happened. It doesn't feel like that. Yeah. It just feels like yeah, Liverpool are still there, but if it does solely come down to money, they might have a problem, but it doesn't feel like it. It's just, mm. there's ways you can miss out on a player, I suppose. And it felt to some like this was greasing the wheels for Liverpool to go, this isn't for us, this is too rich for our blood. Yeah. I hope that isn't the case. Yeah, of course. And also if you look at there was other players in the in recent years, Haaland was one last summer that, you know, I'm sure Liverpool would have signed them if they if they could have, but it was pretty clear from the early early stages that, that that's that's off the table, you know, the, the figures being talked about. Mbappe, I think Klopp spoke about that, didn't he? He said, Look, yeah, of course we'd like to sign Kylian Mbappe, but you know, even when he was leaving Monaco, really, it was sort of well, that's just way out of our, our sphere. So that's fine. But with Bellingham, it, it, it would feel like there would be a suggestion that you've wasted time, yeah. a lot of time, you know, and a lot of energy and a lot of, you know, a lot of goodwill from fans. You know, I suppose there would be there would be negative energy from fans if, from the word go, Liverpool were, were putting out there that Jude Bellingham, he's not, he's not in our league, sort of, you know, like we're sorry, we're not in his league, we're not, we're not in there, but. For it to for it to get to the stage where you know people are believing it's realistic, thinking it's realistic, you know, if it appearing to be realistic, to then go to the start, I, well, we never had the chance, did we? We never had the chance with Man City and Real Madrid in the race. You know, I, I don't think that would wash. I think that would that would rightly lead to some criticism. Even you know, the, man, the manager's been asking, speaking about him. The manager's been asked about him, and you know, talked without doing what he what he did with Mbappe, didn't he? You know, he he. He killed that story pretty much, didn't he? You know, albeit in a nice way. You know, yeah, of course, yeah, Killian's a fan of ours. We love him. I think he's a great player, but no, of course, he's not coming. He's never done that with Bellingham, has he? You know, he's never, never sort of made that point of, oh, yeah, good luck to him. He's going, he's going sort of higher than us, or he's going sort of more money than us. Um, so yeah, of course, I think there'll be there'll be a lot of hand wringing from supporters and, and understandably so if Liverpool don't get this deal done and there'll also be a lot of regret I think from a Liverpool point of view A in terms of you know the fact that they've not been able to do it but also sort of what what if they'd have just played normally this season and what if they'd have just you know kept themselves in that title picture or top four picture you know longer and, and and been able to present this united front of we are a, we are a proper club that's like right in there as opposed to this one that you think are they on the way down or are they gonna have to sort of have a couple of years of pain and then come back so yeah there's um there's a lot still to come and there's a lot there's gonna be a lot written a lot talked about i'm sure we'll be on it I, I absolutely know that thumbnail will be used again before the end of before the end of this season probably many many times as well so yeah We'll see what comes. Last but not least, then let's move on to the deep dive. It's Chris Pajak, it's Josh Williams at Distance Covered. 
the Reds haven't played the game, but that doesn't mean there aren't hot, juicy topics to talk about in the world of stats, tactics, and analytics. By the way, just to let you guys know as well, there's a free version of the Deep Dive each and every week on YouTube. You can check out the free one on YouTube, and then there's a second show, a different show on Redmen Plus. So yeah, if you're interested in that, not only can you listen to it on Redmen Plus or watch it on Redmen Plus, you can also go over to YouTube and check it out there in video format as well. But yes, moving back to the topic, here's Chris, here's Josh, here's the Deep Dive. David Ornstein sent Liverpool Twitter into an absolute frenzy, myself included, uh, on Monday with an article that suggested that Liverpool weren't going to be in for Jude Bellingham. Um, if you listened closely, you could hear me crying uh, from wherever you were in the world. Um, Josh was probably exactly the same. Um, <laughs> I thought it was brutal that he did it at 9am, you know. Like, the first day of the international yeah, break. Yeah, 9am on a Monday morning. I literally woke up and was like... <laughs> what did you think? What do you think of the article? Do you think it's the truth? Uh, I don't know, you know, I didn't... I think he's the best at what he does, but I think in terms of where it's coming from and whether it's a tactic and stuff, I do think there's something in that, but I don't really know where it's from. I've seen someone say like it's potentially coming from Dortmund's end or something like oh, that. Oh, Rob Gutman, I think, said that on the yeah, Anfield Rap this a, week, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, it might have been a sort of clip on of somewhere, but um, I don't know. I'm, I'm inclined to just look at the positive and just think, no, it's... There's something in it's nonsense we're still going for him. And since there's been a bit of positive news, I think that he's not like it's it's still very much a realistic possibility. It just depends on whether like he chooses Anfield or not. That's the thing, isn't it? I mean, if I can get my head around it and I, I sort of have over the last sort of three days or whatever, it is very much that sort of Liverpool don't want to get into a bid and more Liverpool need you Bellingham to turn round to Dortmund and go, I want yeah. to go to Liverpool. Yeah. And if that's that would be in line with the article, and it would also Ornstein's article, and it would also be in line with what Liverpool have done historically. Yeah, and I think that's the the two important things. It, it, it almost didn't really make sense when you think about it, because Liverpool don't want to get in a, into a bidding war with Bellingham and at the, at the prices mentioned or whatever. But it, you would think that the club had only just realised he's going to be expensive. Like surely they've known throughout this whole period of waiting for him how much he's going to cost, and it's probably going to start with a one that's going to be three figures long minimum in terms of like hitting the 100 mark and stuff so I thought that line was weird but I that's know. the thing that I, I, I did a bit of a rant on this on Monday um, I think it's clipped up and been put out all over Tinterweb <laughs> it's like, I just couldn't believe it it's like are you stupid like really you yeah. thought Jude Bellingham's going to cost a lot of money yeah. no really <laughs> like, exactly, yeah. of course he's going to cost a lot of money he's the best midfield talent in, in the, world. the world Yeah, and He's one of the youngest players at the top level as well. He's he's a, an absolute machine, a monster, and he's sort of midfield out for 10 years. Of course, he's going to cost a lot of money. Like the, uh, the uh, One thing I do think's not helped Liverpool here is Chelsea buying Enzo Fernandes. Yeah, I was going to say that. For, for 100, what was that, 105 was that 105, one? 105, I think, yeah. And there's a guy who hasn't really had huge time at the top. You know, had a, obviously months. a great World Cup, but... You know, that that was it. And then that has probably made Dortmund sit back and go, well, hang on a minute. If this lad's going for 105, let's go mix those numbers up a little touch and go 150. Yeah. Um, and that 150, probably euros, works out around 130 million pounds, I suppose. And yeah. that's probably in the ballpark of what Dortmund are looking for, isn't it? Yeah. I think there's some Premier League tax in there as well. Obviously, I think when one of these European clubs have got a gem, and there's English clubs interested, they just know that they're going to get paid, essentially. Chelsea with, with Enzo Fernandez, and you've even got the likes of like West Ham and 
and um, Aston Villa poaching like the best players from like Marseille and, and Roma and just decent, really decent European sides, but the money is, is in England. Well, let's talk about some of the players then. Um, I'm going to start with one that I think we've been linked with, um, Ryan Gravenberch uh, of Bayern Munich now, 20 years old, centre midfielder. Um, was it Ajax that they signed him from yeah. in the summer? Yeah. Not really had any game time, has he? Um, 15 appearances, I think maybe one from the start this season. 307 minutes of action for Bayern Munich. Um, kind of looks like it hasn't really worked out well for him. I, I think it's very Renato Sanchez. Do you remember when, yeah. when you made that move from Benfica? It looks very like that to me, where Bayern have took a chance on a kid who's got loads of potential and he's still very, very young, probably to the extent that he's too young to have made the move. Mm -hmm. And since he's made the move, because they've kind of moved for him before he's really full Bayern Munich level, he's maybe just kind of like been a bit flustered by it, maybe since he's got in the door. Because like, to pay what he did for him, which was not an astronomical fee, but I think it was around like 30 million, and for him to start one Bundesliga game, it's just captures, doesn't it, how he's not really made an impact since he's been there. Well, when you look at his scouting report on, on FB Ref, it looks really good, doesn't it? You know, uh, in terms of his last 365 days, obviously, um, compared against midfielders and stuff, he's, you know, really high up in non-penalty XG, his shots are really high, his shot-cutting actions, his... Prog Progressive passes received, so he's receiving the ball in in a good areas of the field and stuff. Quite high up in progressive passes and progressive carries as well. Yeah. He, he's got the makings of an all-round midfielder there. I think Liverpool would have their eye on. Do you, do you agree? Yeah. Well, I was going to say, I think if I was to define him, I think he does fit the kind of all-rounder vibe. Really um, good at a lot of things. Not very many weaknesses, despite his age. Tall as well, physical, six yeah. foot two and a half, I think. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, he's over six foot two, so he's got the physicality about him. And that kind of captures why he's made such an early rise. I think he's the, if he's not the Eddard VC's youngest ever player, he's Ajax's youngest ever player in terms of his debut. I think he made his debut when he was like 16. Wow. Um, and that was because at the age of 16, he looked about 20. Um, so you can see why Bayern Munich have took a chance on him. And if you look at what they're paying him as well, He's on about 180 grand a week, uh, up until 2027. So that's quite a big risk that took there. So if he was to move, especially this summer after just moving last summer, Bayern are probably going to have to accept there that like you know we messed up with this one. But he's, he's still because of those that wage package, he's probably still going to cost Liverpool a fair bit if Liverpool were going to be interested in him. Like comfortably, do you think that's a bit of a risky signing with him not performing at the level that Bayern wanted? Yeah, a bit. Um, and obviously he's Dutch as well, which would coincide with the whole Pep Linders theme that Linders is running the recruitment and stuff. But maybe that would benefit him, you know, working with a fellow countryman. Like. But he's an interesting one, though, and I think of the targets that we're going to touch on, one of the themes is obviously Bellingham is the ultimate all-rounder, doesn't really have a weakness, and that's why he's kind of so special. A lot of these players are good at one thing, maybe not so good at another, good at one thing, not so good at another. Gravenberg is, is one of the players who isn't quite Bellingham complete, but he, he is a complete, like, all-round, like a Wijnaldum kind of midfielder, and Klopp does tend to like those players. So let's go to one of your players then, next then. Um, OK. Who you think could be a good fit for Liverpool? Um, not sure where to go. We'll, we'll go with 
Mason Mount first then. Okay. Because uh, I think this seems to be a legitimate link. And I am a big fan of him. I think he's a really good player. And I think we've touched on a few weeks ago. He, he does remind us both, I think, of Adam Lallana, doesn't he? Um, natural pressure in terms of his defensive work. Liverpool this season have been defensively bad. But a lot of it has stemmed from the high press. And Mason Mount, if you were to play him as a number eight, for example, mm -hmm. would naturally help your system be a bit more functional in that sense. 24 years old, so he's a good age. He's English, he'll help the homegrown thing, considering we're losing Ox, but probably losing, well, potentially losing Milner sometime soon. Henderson's 32, so it'd help us in that sense. Um, he's not so much of a physical monster, is he? But in terms of oh. being like a really modern Klopp kind of midfielder, he does very much, very much look in the mould of the kind of player that that Klopp would love, and I'm not surprised that will link with him. Well, when you see his stats and stuff, obviously what jumps off the page for me is his progressive passes is is really high. You know, it's a top seven percentile of midfielders. Um, his tackles uh, are quite good. His blocks are good, which feeds into that bit of a pressing monster. Yeah. Um, he he's got for me. It's always made sense. Makes him out to Liverpool. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's just always been one of those. It's just a really, really good fit, isn't it? Um, it feels like he could be like a bit of a Bernardo Silva for us. Yeah, you know, someone who's really technical, but also willing to run himself into the ground when Liverpool haven't got the ball, and he's available every week. If you look at his career so far, he's had lots of doubts around on his name for some reason, but like Tuchel, Southgate, uh, Potter now, who else has he been? Did they, they all play him? They play him every single week, and it's because he's that kind of player. And obviously, he's played in Champions League finals, World Cup final, uh, was it the Euro final? Yeah, but he's he's got big game experience essentially, um, and his contract runs out next summer. So cheap, yeah. Well, Perfect for us. When you say cheap, I still think Chelsea will try and get about fifty for him. Like, would you think he's worth it all? I wouldn't think he's worth more than that. Yeah, 50. I think I would, that's about right, isn't it? Yeah, I would go to 54. I'm like, yeah, cool. Thanks to Josh. Thanks to Chris. Right then, let's start wrapping up. Like I say, all those shows that you've just heard are available in video and podcast form over on redmenplus.com. Use that code weekly. Get yourself here for 50%. It's redmenplus.com. Go and do it. Go and do it now. Get yourself some amazing content. Support everything we do here at Redmen HQ. The, the reason we can bring you all this amazing free content is thanks to our wonderful, wonderful subscribers. So if you can and if you want to, do go and check out Plus. I promise you won't regret it. Go and get it for half price as well using that little discount code we give to you guys. And we'll be back next week with another episode of Redmen Weekly. See you all later. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. 
Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.